When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is the Mac and Mac guys here on Bird 365. McLaurin and McDonald hanging with you. JM, how you feeling this morning? Uh, windy. I'm feeling windy. It's very windy out. Uh, you know, still a little under the weather, but I'm 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 pushing through it, Joe. Non COVID. You're looking slightly better. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but <laughs> that's I appreciate it. But Neither one uh, of us looking all that sharp at 8 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. But, yes, nasty day out there today. If you haven't been outside yet, uh, yeah, just rain, wind, and the like. So well, why would you even bother going outside? We can stay here with the Mac and Mac guys for two hours of Birds 365. All right. Uh, want to pick up on a conversation we started yesterday. Um, we just touched on it briefly. I want to go a little bit more. In depth, by the way, uh, just a reason, another reason why you shouldn't go out. Got two good guests coming your way today. Our bud, Mr. Game Day, Ed Kratz, is going to join us in about 20 minutes from now. And in hour number two, going to have a uh, guy on we haven't had on in about nine months. Uh, We had him on way back during the summer before the season started. Chris Landry, ex-NFL scout and coach and uh, executive and the like, independent scouting guy these days. Uh, really fun guest, knows the, the game inside and out, specifically the scouting aspect of it. So we'll get Chris up a little later on in the show. Uh, but speaking of scouting and evaluating talent, yesterday, um, either you or I brought it up, I don't remember which one, we both certainly gave an opinion on it. Uh, off the Super Bowl win, some people decided it was time to declare Matthew Stafford as a <laughs> Hall of Famer. Yeah which both you and I kind of rolled our eyes at and God bless him, had a good game as a championship, took a monkey off his back. Didn't quite make him hall of fame status in either my eyes or your eyes. And uh, another guy I just wanted to ask you about today, because I think it's about as obvious as Matthew Stafford is a no in both our eyes. The other guy is a yes. Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald on the field hinted at after the game that he accomplished what he needed to accomplish and got his championship ring and these eight years in the NFL have beat him down. And he basically hinted at uh, the fact that he would consider retirement. 
it kind of got pushed to the back burner in their celebratory parade that uh, the coach screaming, let's run it back, run it back. And Aaron Donald uh, at least smiled and shook his head. He didn't dismiss it. He didn't lock in it. I'll be there opening game September 11th. <laughs> well, he didn't go quite that far, but I, I don't think he's going to retire. But if he did, Aaron Donald's a Hall of Famer, correct? He doesn't need to play another snap in his NFL career to make the Hall of Fame, does he? Oh, yeah. No brainer. This is one of the greatest. uh, But, you know, that's another. It's interesting you bring up my comparison. There is no comparison when you talk about Matthew Stafford and Aaron Donald's as far as Hall of Famers. One's a slam dunk Hall of Famer. One's got potential if he plays five more years, wins a couple more Super Bowls, that kind of stuff. Certainly not a Hall of Famer now. Aaron Donald's first ballot, no questions asked. He's that type of player. But, you know, then I hear people say, this is the greatest defensive player of all time. Look, I I don't even know how you you measure that. I mean, he's not even playing the same game as, you know, whoever you want to bring up, Lawrence Taylor, Reggie White, if you want to go all the way back to Joe Green or Deacon Jones. Completely different game, number one. But what I will say is he is in a very short conversation to be the best defensive player of his generation. Um, yeah, I don't even know how many first-team All-Pros he's got now, but you know, I know he's a three-time defensive player of the year, and to be honest, he should be a four-time defensive player of the year. But you know, people get tired. I always bring this up with Michael Jordan. Mm-hmm. Michael Jordan didn't win as many MVPs as he should have because people got tired of giving it to him. Same thing with LeBron James. They go, well, yeah, LeBron should win it, but let's give it to so-and-so because, yeah, we're tired. We want something different. And that's what, you know, T.J. Watt had a great season with all the sacks. But, I mean, if you talk to people in this league, I mean, it starts and ends with Aaron Donald. Absolute. And I always say – I've probably told you this before. There are certain players where their peers are in awe of them, and that's when I know they're stinking good. And he's one of those guys. His peers are in absolute awe of him. Here's here's where uh, Aaron Donald's Hall of Fame uh, conversation takes me. And it's funny that you referenced an individual that I wanted to bring up, and that's Michael Jordan. Maybe it's more of a basketball thing than a football thing, but I think it's a football thing too, and I'll give you an example. Um, You know you've reached that status of the ultimate of stars when someone starts to call someone else a poor man of you. (laughs) Michael Jordan, there have been several poor men. He's a poor man's Michael Jordan description (laughs) after Michael Jordan's career was over and done with. And uh, how about baby, baby Jordan, Harold Miner? Exactly. He was he was the first of the group of the poor man's Michael Jordan's. Uh, I think Charles Barkley had one of the greatest quotes ever uh, when asked about someone who was compared to being a poor man's Charles Barkley said, if you're somebody's poor man, all it's going to make you is poor, which is exactly (laughs) right. Charles hit the nail on the head. Uh, yes, more so in basketball, Michael Jordan. Do you remember the poor man's Larry Bird? Huh. I mean, there could have been a bunch. I mean, anybody who was Caucasian for a while and could pass was, the was ball. Was drafted by the Philadelphia 76ers. It, uh, you're not talking about 
you're not talking about Sean Bradley because no, he's seven out of, foot out six. of Syracuse University. Out of Syracuse, um, uh, no, I'm drawing Canadian. Leo Routens. Leo Routens. I remember reading that Leo, Leo Routens, Routens was going to be a poor man's. Uh, I don't remember bird. that to be honest, but I yeah, do. I mean, I, I, you know, the, there's been a lot. Yeah, I remember it a little bit with Keith Van Horn, who was an ex-sixer for a while. Um, yeah, it's you know, and they were broke man's Larry Birds, not, <laughs> not poor man's. <laughs> but Leo Rounds, Keith Van Horn could play a little bit at least. And the reason why I bring this up is uh we're gonna have Chris Landry on a little bit later. We'll see if we can get him to acknowledge anyone in this year's draft. As a poor man's Aaron Donald. Well, you know who was a poor man's Aaron Donald last year, Jody? Milton Williams. Yeah. He got he got a little bit of that. And and again, I like Milton. I think he's a really good young player, but I I cringe when people compare people to um I heard a lot of John Randall's, and John Randall's a Hall of Famer. And Aaron Ronald Aaron Donald's better than John Randall. And I cringe when I hear John Randall uh compared to Milton Williams. Um it's not fair to the player. It's not fair to Leo Routens. It's not fair to Harold Miner. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's been it, you, as you're bringing up because you bring up comparisons from years ago. It's been going on for a long time, but it yeah. seems to it seems to have ramped up recently, where everybody's the greatest and everybody's got to be compared. And uh, I, I look, go back to Jim Swartz and the kerfuffle with he was trying to compliment DK Metcalf. And like he, he basically offhandedly said, "Hey, you're you're as close to Calvin Johnson as I've ever seen," and DK Metcalf took that as a slight. And it was it was like, and and by the way, I don't think DK was anything other than he didn't know who the hell Calvin Johnson was and didn't understand the history of the game. And by the way, that's not long ago history. No. Um, but that's where you have the, a, a generation. Not everybody, but there's a there's a large portion of this generation that doesn't, you know, care that much about history or what came before them. And you say something like that, and it's the ultimate compliment from Jim Swartz to compare somebody to Calvin Johnson and say you're the closest to Calvin Johnson since Calvin Johnson. And he took it as a slight. <laughs> Here's where uh, I, I actually think it's okay, and I always ask this question of people when we get them on as guests who should know better than, than myself. Um, when a player is transitioning from college to the NFL, I think fans like to have someone that they can compare that player to. What kind of a player should we be looking for? What, at least in part, kind of stats do we think they're going to be able to put up at a similar position? I don't have a problem. Now, once you've already been in the league and they're trying to compare you to somebody else, that's probably unnecessary. You should be able to judge for yourself. Uh, but if you're making a transition in levels, going from college to pros, I don't mind and I even ask for people to come up with comps. If some of them are off base, well, then so be it. That's up to them and you can judge for yourself. But I do like a good comp every once in a while when you're talking about college players eventually. No, I don't. I don't mind it at all. But again, it always depends on the person. Like you seem to take in the right way when you're comping players, you're comping traits. So if you want to say, 
Well, Milton Williams is a John Randall type player, and he plays the same type of way. He's he's sort of short and quick and undersized, and you know that's fine. I mean, that's the type of player he needs to be. That's the type of pay, player he should strive to be. It, it's you know it's almost the fault of the person who's who's taking the comp in and saying and thinking you're comparing those two as players. And that's why I hesitate to do it because so many people take it the wrong way. All your comping is traits and, and body types. And, and, and you're not saying, Oh, this guy's going to be this hall of famer. or This guy's going to be this hall of famer. So it, it depends on sort of the person taking in the information. And you know how people run with the baton. They run any way they want. They don't run to the finish line. They might take a left turn. They might take a right turn. And you might hear, hey, Jody McDonald said Leo Routens is, is, is Larry Bird. And, I, I and, didn't say that, but I know I heard it back in the day. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that that's, that's why, you know. But again, that's not your fault. That's sort of somebody's fault taking in the information. And really, uh, from everybody... And I started with Harold Miner, and everybody called him Baby Jordan. That's what they were saying. They say he 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 was similar as it's as far as size and athleticism and traits and and things like that. They weren't saying he was the next Michael Jordan. Well, maybe a few were, but most uh, are are you know smart enough to say yeah. <laughs> and one of the terms, and I said this to Jack McCaffrey, I know one day, and he loved it. <laughs> So I, I hate the term generational talent. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. Why? Because generation means once in a generation. So you can't bring up generational talent every stinking year. It doesn't exist. It's common sense. So you hear it every year in the draft, the NFL draft, the NBA draft, generational talent, generational talent, generational talent. If everybody's a generational talent, well, you don't have generational talents. Michael Jordan doesn't come around every year. LeBron James doesn't come around every year. They come around once in a generation, which is why the term originated. And that's why I don't like it. I don't think it's fair for people, and, and they overuse it and, and it, and it, and it becomes watered down. You have this situation, goes full circle of where we started, why people start talking about Matthew Stafford as a Hall of Famer. It's not the Hall of Very Good. Look, I say all the time, Jim Plunkett's still not in the Hall of Fame. Shouldn't be, as far as I'm concerned. He won two Super Bowls. Eli Manning should never get near the Hall of Fame. Uh, won two Super Bowls. Probably will, because it's a different generation that puts more credence on that than they should. Um, it, everything's watered down. Uh, it's it, it, it should be limited to truly truly great dominant players and it isn't any longer and back thank you for bringing it back to the matthew stafford conversation i'm gonna go out on a limb here we're gonna get chris landry up and for the next several months we'll be having people up certainly leading up to the combine and then leading up to the draft to talk about the college players will be available for the nfl draft this year i'm gonna go out on a limb and say no one is going to call any of this year's quarterbacks a poor man's Matthew Stafford. I don't <laughs> know that, that that will come up this year, next year, the year after, the year after that. 
I don't know that Matthew Stafford has achieved that level. You got to be pretty damn good for someone to use the term a poor man's blank and then insert your name. I don't think that's ever going to happen with Matthew Stafford. Oh, it will with Aaron Donald. I'm praying there's a poor man's Aaron Donald in this draft that somehow he ends up on the Eagles doorstep at pick number 16. They already you know, got think, him last year. They, yeah. they don't need him. Milt, Milt Williams is the poor man's uh, yeah. Aaron Donald. I, well, I like Milt too, but yeah, not even close. Sorry about that. Don't see that happening. Uh, and it's not going to happen with Matthew Stafford either this year. Um, and if it does, yeah, the Eagles might end up getting them. And I don't know that that will solve their quarterback problems because I don't think a poor man's Matthew Stafford, which has got to be a minimum of a notch below, is going to be good enough to be a quarterback uh, starting in this league for long enough for the Eagles to make that kind of commitment to. Not happening. So we shall I, see. I take, I take, I'm, I'm thinking about that. I take Matthew Stafford. No, but I wouldn't take a poor man. Poor Matthew. man's Matthew Stafford, yeah. which acknowledged is doing. a little yeah. bit less. Why yeah. would you want less than Matthew Stafford? Yeah, I got you. I got you. I, I lost I lost my track of where we were going there. I'm thinking, well, I take Matthew Stafford. But, yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. It, it's a difficult decision with the Eagles because that's, that's part of the problem, Jody. I mean, they got to – they got a good, solid quarterback who's, and if we use, we brought up the NFL.com rankings, 17th in the league, overachieving, very young, more room for improvement, great work ethic. So, you know, that's, that's the difficult part of this whole thing is evaluation, not where he is. You know, he's not good enough right now. Um, can he get to the point where he's good enough? Some people obviously think yes. I would say most probably think no. It's tough evaluation. That's the whole point. And and then when you start looking about taking a step back, the old adage, what do you take a step back to take two forward? Now, I brought up Eli Manning before. I, I, I know you remember how the Giants got crucified for, for moving on from, from Tiki Barber and Jeremy Shockey in the moment. Two great players, huge personalities. You know, they kind of overshadowed Eli Manning in that locker room. And people are going, what the heck are the Giants doing? Those are their two best offensive players. And they move on from, and all of a sudden they go win the Super Bowl. And it was, you know, take a step back, take two step forward. It's, it's not easy to do that in this league where you're under the microscope every single week. And people are criticizing you in the moment. It's it's easier said than done. Well, Jeff Laurie did say that that was going to be this year. And oh, by the way, they didn't take a step backwards. No. They take a step forward by making the playoffs. So even the best laid plans of NFL teams, owners, mice, men, sometimes uh, they go awry and you can't get exactly what you're looking for. And part of that was, yeah, I think Jalen Hurts was better than some people expected. Everyone had their expectations coming into the year. Mine were pretty high. I thought he achieved right about what I, where I thought he was going to. The only thing we didn't know was his relationship with uh, Nick Sirianni. Hey, did I read this right this morning? Nick Sirianni lost a member of his inner circle. I can't really say coaching staff because he wasn't on the coaching staff. And Bob Tudor. Yeah. And that was, guy, yeah. He's heading down to uh, Jacksonville yeah. with Dougie yeah. P. I don't know how Doug got his phone number because he doesn't know anybody. He doesn't know but, anybody. Yeah. 
he doesn't know anybody. But man, I don't know how he put together a staff. He put together a big staff because he doesn't know anybody. But yeah, Jim Bob Cooter is. Yeah, we we mentioned that I think before we went on hiatus. That news came out that Jim was leaving for Jacksonville. But you're right. That was interesting because he was never technically part of the staff. Um, and, you know, one day out of nowhere, um, and I'll never forget, uh, you know, he just, Nick Sirianni dropped Jim Bob Cooter on us and said, right. Jim Bob Cooter. Who, what, and we're where? like, what are you yeah. talking about? And then there was a, another press conference about a couple days after that. And all of a sudden, he was walking out of the NovaCare complex, and Nick was doing this press conference. And he was like, oh, there's Jim Bob Cooter. And it just kept mentioning him and mentioning him and mentioning him. It was really an interesting dichotomy. He leaned on him a lot, but he wasn't a member of the staff. So I don't know. This is a very weird situation. But obviously, now Jim Bob is part of the quarterback incubator in Jacksonville, um, you know, with Press Taylor. So we're going to see. For all the people who vilified Doug Peterson and Press Taylor, um, Mike McCoy, by the way, who is a Nick Sirianni mentor, is also part of that quarterback incubator, and then Jim Bob Cooper, Cooter. So I don't know. Doug must have got some phone numbers. Maybe Ed Kratz gave them to him, yeah, and Ed's going to be on the program after the break. AK, uh, game day Kratz joining us next. Uh, we got plenty to do yet on this non-football Friday. Sorry, no football going to be played. It doesn't mean it's going to be talked right here on Birds 365. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view. It goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. Or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the wind. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears you know you like being right that's why you should enroll in an independence blue cross plan it's the health plan chosen by more people than any other with more doctors and hospitals more benefits that really rock more of the coverage you want for the right price including free doctor visits 24 7 it's a choice you can feel good about because when you're right you're right and when you've got independence blue cross you're right where you need to be Call 1-844-200-2583 today to get an Independence Blue Cross plan.
field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Football Friday. No football being played. Doesn't mean can't be talked. And we're doing just that here on Bird 365. McMullen, McDonald, and our usual Football Friday contributor. We like to call him Game Day. He's Johnny Mac's tag team partner for Sports Illustrated covering the Eagles. He jumps aboard with us, Ed Kratz. What are you going to do this weekend, Ed Kratz, that you're not going to be proud of? (laughs) (laughs) Probably get out of bed. (laughs) <laughs> uh, i'm thinking you're going out you're gonna get uh silly stupid drunk and make a fool of yourself any chance of that happening maybe 30 years ago that would have yeah. been the case but that, you know that, that was yeah that, that was a given every right. thursday night i think 30 years ago yeah uh, yeah I, i'd like to think i'm a little wiser now and uh you know certainly have more responsibility now so i you know i don't really have any plans i mean it kind of okay. you know, Kind of Just stinks kind without of. any football, right? I mean, yeah, I'm looking yeah. forward to the USFL draft on Tuesday and Wednesday. How about that? Philadelphia Stars, I believe, number three. Who are they drafting from? I, I, don't, know. I don't even understand who who's who's in the pool. Uh, Kenny Pickett. Why not take Kenny Pickett? What the heck? Maybe you well, the old uh, USFL would have. They used to steal uh, big time players. Reggie White started there. The Memphis Showboats. Sam Mills, by the way, just got in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. He was a big uh, USFL star. And the Philadelphia Stars, they were the best team in the USFL. For years, people would say, hey, maybe they're better than the Eagles, that USFL star team. Yeah, that, you're right. The USFL took a lot of players. I mean, uh, Irv Eatman from UCLA, big lineman. Kelvin yeah. Bryant, good running back. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't know what their pool of players is going to look like. Yeah, they're not getting Kenny Pickett. They're not. Uh, they're not this time. They're not going after uh, big time players. But it, it's going to be interesting. Although I don't know how exciting it is that the Philadelphia Stars are going to be playing in Birmingham. I believe so. Yeah, I don't know. That's one of your towns because your son used to live there. So I don't know if Ed Kratz is going to be going down to Birmingham to cover the Philadelphia Stars. But hopefully, no. we'll, we'll we'll cross our fingers. Jody brought up. Uh, before the break, Ed, and I and I want to bring this up because I thought it was funny. And if you remember the same situation, your favorite Jim Bob Cooter moments of, of his Eagles era. Yeah, well, it's a pretty short list. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> remember, remember, Nick was doing the press conference. Yeah. He just walked out of the Novacare. Yeah, there goes Jim Bob now. <laughs> That's probably my only moment. Although I'll say when we first learned about it, I think it was in uh, after the game against the New York Jets uh, up at the Meadowlands. Yeah. He just dropped it out of nowhere. Yeah, was, and we're all like, wait great. a minute. Jim Bob Cooter's on the staff? And I you know, I didn't really know what Jim Bob Cooter even looked like. So he could have yeah. walked right past me in the hallway of, of, uh, of the stadium, and I never would have recognized him. And I'm still not sure I would recognize him, but. Uh, I still don't know great names. That's for sure. He does, man. He was some kind of analyst, but he was never a member of the staff. Um, But now he's in Jackson. Yeah. Consultant analyst would do special projects, but Nick would bring him up quite a bit. 
Yeah. Uh, and he did seem to lean on him. Had a lot of experience as a coordinator uh, in in a couple different spots, most notably Detroit. But uh, um, overall, the coaching staff pretty much untouched, which I think is going to be a big positive going into year two. How much do you think that continuity is going to help as far as Nick Sirianni and, and, and his staff moving forward? Yeah, well, it can't hurt. Uh, you know, I think it's it's big for a second year staff to kind of remain in place and keep keep growing whatever system you're running there. Um, you know, some of the members of the staff had some flirtations. You know, Brian Johnson, their QB coach, interviewed with Green Bay for their OC job, and of course, Gannon, you know, was in the running for the Texans head coaching job. Um, but yeah, I think I think it will help. They haven't they've been pretty quiet this off season. Yeah, um, not a whole lot of noise. I mean, I think it was one year ago today when they, when it was the news broke that Carson Wentz had been traded to Indianapolis, and uh, you know, of yeah. course, they couldn't announce that until the new league year began, which this year is March 16th. So, I would think that there's going to be some stuff that we're going to find out about before that day comes. Uh, you know, oh yeah, combine. Well, you know, that's where yeah. all the tampering begins, so to speak. Yeah. Um, and that's early March. Um, so that's when you'll start to hear uh, some of the stuff coming out. But you're right. This is the year anniversary, not of the trade, because as you mentioned, the trade couldn't be official till I think last year was March 17th. That's right. Um, but um, yeah, we knew earlier, far earlier in the process that Carson was on his way to Indianapolis. And by the way, he's not. He's probably on the way out of Indianapolis. So, again, when we start looking yeah. about the combine and the draft and Howie Roseman, and all of a sudden the Eagles have three first-round picks, does that create a sense of urgency for this team? I've been asking everybody. I asked Jody. I asked Gus yesterday. I, I, You don't often have three first-round picks. So you can't assume you're just going to kick the can down the road, turn them over, keep saying, oh, we don't like this guy. Maybe somebody else will we'll get a first-round pick down the road. Does this create a sense of urgency for Harry Roseman? Like, I have to get stuff done now because I have three first-round picks now. Yeah, you know, you're right. It doesn't happen often. A lot of teams have three first-round picks, but it has happened. And I, I was kind of looking, you know, poking around at that uh, the last couple of days, and I think the Giants might have been the last team to have three first round picks. It was the year they took Daniel Jones. They also took Odell Beckham Jr. And then later, I think a pick number 30, DeAndre Baker, uh, the cornerback who I don't even know if he's in the league. I don't think he's in the league anymore. He got in some off the field trouble, but, yeah. um, but yeah, it doesn't happen often. And even in that draft, you know, Baker, I think was the 30th pick. Daniel Jones, of course, was a top six pick. Odell came, I think, you know, late teens, but you know, the Eagles have those three picks clustered together. And yeah, I think it's important for Howie to do, uh, you know, to to rebuild this roster in whatever way he sees fit, whether it's using all three of those picks or using, you know, one or two of those picks to go out and trade for a player or to get future picks in 2023. Uh, because, you know, he does have 10 picks in this draft. And, you know, when I talk about no moves being made. Like I'm surprised, like we haven't heard more juice about Andre Dillard perhaps getting traded. Um, you know, he's certainly a candidate to be traded, I would guess. Uh, you know, even Jalen Rager, you know, we haven't heard a lot from the Eagles or, or 
people around the Eagles as to what they might be doing. Um, but yeah, it will pick up steam. And I think Howie does have a sense of urgency to rebuild this team. And, you know, everybody's talking about the quarterback spot and rightfully so. I mean, I don't think Nick Sirianni could have been any more adamant about Jalen Hurts being his guy three days after the season when he said Jalen Hurts is our guy and there's no secrets about that. But that's where it has to start. You have to decide whether or not you're going to use any of those picks, whether it's the trade for somebody possibly or draft somebody early. Um, that's where it's going to start. And that's where he'll feel the most sense of urgency is making sure he's doing his job at that quarterback position. So, uh, you know, but that doesn't belittle any of the other picks. I mean, how he always does a good job later in the draft. We see a lot of good picks come late with him. Every, all the focus obviously is on those first round picks and, you know, he's, hasn't, he's, hasn't done a real good job in that round. So, uh, you know, a lot of the emphasis has to be too later in the draft, day two and day three. And, yeah, that's where you're going to feel your sense of urgency is finding players that can come in and help this team, kind of like they did in 2021. Uh, you know, they got a lot of help from a lot of different rounds in that draft. And you need another one of those in 22. Ed, before we get to the draft, uh, the NFL free agency period kicks in. You mentioned March 16th, the first day of the league year, first day you can uh, make plays for free agents. The Eagles are in a good spot as far as cap availability goes right now. Not the best in the league. There are teams that have upwards of $50 million under the cap. The Eagles are in the low 20, somewhere thereabouts. But you can always create more if you so desire. But when you do that, renegotiate contracts, you eventually have to play or pay a price down the line. Like this year, they're uh, taking a $9 million cap hit on Malik Jackson. I would say Malik Jackson's era here in Philadelphia was not all that great, and they're still paying for it. So it does help you out in the short term, but you pay for it in the long term. Just generally speaking, Eagles have a bunch of guys they can do this with. They do it with Lane Johnson and Fletcher Cox, it seems like, every year. They could do it with Darius Slay again, restructure contracts, Players like it because they get money uh, up front, but it does eventually hurt you down the line, much like Malik Jackson's contract does this year. How much more contract space do you think they're going to try and create? Will this be considered an aggressive push money forward offseason for the Eagles? Yeah, I, I think that, you know, you're right. They're paying for some of these previous contract sins by – kicking the can down the road, so to speak. I, yep. I would be surprised if they do that. I mean, they're about $21 million under the cap, and they, they eventually need to stop doing that if you want to be successful, you know, long term. And I, I would think you need to stop. But then, you know, if you look at, you know, what they have to spend, it, it isn't a whole lot. I mean, it's obviously more than they had last year when they had to kind of redo some of these contracts. But if Jason Kelsey comes back, and all indications are he is, I mean, he's – He's going to command probably $10 million. They gave him a nine, I think it was nine and a half million last year uh, on a one-year deal. And they spread that out a little bit to kind of lessen the cap. Uh, but, you know, he's going to command 10 million. And then what are you going to do with that contract? Are you going to play it down the road again to oh, kind yeah. of spread that cap out? I mean, yeah, probably. But I can't, you know, maybe you can redo Fletcher's contract uh, to try to kick that down the road a, a little bit, or maybe you could try to trade Fletcher to get out from under the contract pretty much. Uh, you know, I just, I think it's dangerous territory when you continue to do that because that hampers what you can do in future years. So I would like to see them not do as much of that contract restructuring and push the can down the road, if you will. So uh, 
I, the way they're set up now, I think they have maybe one splurge in free agency that they could make. And where would that be? Um, you know, my contention is, is they need a, a second wide receiver. They need a veteran wide receiver. Yeah. Uh, that's kind of where I would <laughs> look. I, you know, when you look at drafting another receiver, that's three first round picks you would use on receiver. And eventually you're going to have to re-sign these guys after the rookie deals are done, if they're performing, which Devontae Smith looks like he'll be in line for an extension if his career continues to progress. Jalen Rager, not so much. But if you take Jamison Wilson or Traylon Burks or some of these other names that we're seeing in mock drafts, then then I have two wide receivers you've taken back-to-back that if they perform, you're going to have to re-up at a big number. Uh, So to me, I think it makes sense for them to go with a veteran wide receiver, uh, no matter what that looks like, maybe a one-year prove-it deal like a Juju Smith-Schuster perhaps, someone coming off an injury. Uh, and then they need safeties. You know, we've talked about this before, you know, and that could come in free agency. Uh, but again, I think they have one big splurge. If you splurge on a receiver and you sign maybe an Allen Robinson to a three-year, $16 million deal, then you're probably going to have to go short-term on a safety, uh, maybe a Marcus May. I know you hate to hear that, Jody, Marcus May, but he's coming off an Achilles injury. Uh, maybe he's a one-year contract type of guy, prove it. Uh, prove it deal. He played with Denard Wilson or for Denard Wilson when Wilson was in New York. Now the Eagles DB coach. Um, or you could go heavy. If Marcus Williams, if the Saints are foolish enough to let Marcus Williams go, uh, young safety, you can sign him to a three or four year deal and make that your big splurge and then try to sign a, a receiver on a one year deal. But I think they have one big move in them in free agency because they don't have a lot to spend and you have to factor Jason Kelsey's money into that. Yeah, going safety from New Orleans worked for him once. Maybe they go back and and go that direction again. Marcus Williams would be a nice fit. Uh, uh, Let's talk organizational philosophy as a whole, Ed, uh, because we're coming off the Super Bowl. And, you know, you had sort of – it was – I don't know if the narrative was correct, but it was certainly out there that while the Rams went all in and the Bengals built through the draft and, you know, to me it shows you can win all kinds of ways, but we know this is a copycat league. Heck, I got to ask Sean McVay a question in the pre-Super Bowl uh, press conferences on Zoom. I'm leading my resume with that to try to get an extension here on Birds 365 because anybody who's ever said anything to Sean McVay as a football genius. It's a copycat league, what I'm trying to say. Do the Eagles try to copy the Rams, copy the Bengals? Does it change their organizational philosophy, or are they smart enough to not fall into that trap? Yeah, I I don't think they'll copycat the Rams. And I guess you mean by doing that, they'll trade away all their picks for, you know, veteran players. I don't see them. I just I just don't see them doing it. You know, they've talked for the last couple of years about kind of overhauling things and building that next Super Bowl team. You know, they they tried to keep open the window as long as they could coming out of that Super Bowl win from the 2017 season. And that led them to part with some of these draft picks to try to bring guys in. I mean, they only had five picks in 2018 and 2019. And now we didn't like that. And yeah. And now. You know, he's got the ammunition in draft picks. And I, I don't see him, you know, maybe he'll trade, you know, a couple of them. But I don't see him going all in and and trying to trade and build this team, a dream team situation. I, I don't see that at all. I think they're going to kind of stay the course organizationally and 
and try to build through. Well, let me play devil's advocate here, Ed, because, sure. you know, you're right at the time. How it, Now, 2018, it turns out, was a great draft for the Eagles, even though yeah. it was small. Mm-hmm. I mean, they extended everybody. The one guy they didn't extend is Matt Pryor, I, I believe, and he's still in the league. Yeah. Great draft from the Eagles' perspective. Jordan Mailata, seventh-round pick, on and on and on. Um, They won a Super Bowl with, you know, hitting on targeted free agents. If you go back to the Chris Longs of the world, the LeGarrette Blunts, most notably the guy everybody forgets, Patrick Robinson, who had a phenomenal year that year as the nickel corner. Um, Jay Ajahi on the trade market. Uh, later in the season. That's how they won the stinking thing. Yeah, you're forgetting Alshon Jeffrey and Tory Smith. Yeah, I mean, you know, they, yeah. they went out and they, they put weapons around Carson Wentz, and, and yeah. they felt that they were close. And I'm not sure how close they feel. I think they still feel like they need to add some youth to this team, and that's how they're going to do it is through drafts. Say nothing of the fact that you need cheap labor, so to speak, at this stage while you're kicking this can down the road with contract negotiations. So you need to hit on some of these draft picks so you can get two, three years out of them before you have to worry about well, potentially yeah. extending them. So that, I mean, yeah. yeah, people forget that Rams best players were Cooper cup on offense and Aaron Donald on defense. And they're both draft picks. They're not, yeah. you know, they're not, yeah. they weren't acquired. So you do have to, you do have to hit on your draft picks, but I, I would like the Eagles to be a little bit more aggressive. I think they're a little bit closer than people think. I, I think if they make three, four good pickups and good decisions, they're right in the mix. Am I crazy with that? Well, if you look around the NFC, I mean, it's certainly a wide open conference, in my opinion. I mean, you know, you're losing Tom Brady in Tampa. They have a lot of uh, situ- contract situations they have to deal with there. The Rams. You know, who knows if they'll be able to muster, uh, you know, a repeat. It's always tough to come back and win again uh, in, in the next year. We haven't seen that since the Patriots and I think 04 and 05. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not like it's done that often. So, uh, you know, who knows what Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers situation will be in Green Bay. You know, they've had the number one seed the last couple of years and they've done nothing with it. Uh, so to me, yeah, they could be close if you look around the NFC and you think, you know, this isn't a very good conference or a very deep conference. And, Sure, we could get to the top of that, but you know, uh, you could see them make moves and bring in guys with, dra- with the draft capital they have. I just, you know, I think that they want to kind of keep building and build uh, for you know maybe beyond twenty twenty two. They want to get a young team, let them grow together, uh, and we've seen that. Ha- I mean, I think all eleven starters on the offense at the end of the year last year were all draft picks, and you know, you want to keep that core together and let them grow together, and then you want to sprinkle in more pieces, but. Yeah, I think you could see how – I mean, how he's going to be aggressive, right? He always is. He's going to do his his homework. He's going to be burning up the phone lines, looking to make deals. But I think he's going to be smart, and I don't think he's going to just give away picks and bring in veteran players. All right, Eddie K., I want to bring you back to a name you've dropped twice already today. And it's been a couple of weeks since we had you on. And during that time, the Chris Mortensen report came out about Carson Wentz. It was only four years ago, Ed, when Carson Wentz was an MVP candidate, maybe even the leader in the clubhouse. And now we're looking at Carson Wentz having worn out his welcome for his second professional franchise. 
a man without a team or an island right about now? What went wrong with Carson Wentz? How did it go to spit as quickly as it did? Yeah, uh, well, that's a, that's a good question. I mean, I, I think maybe injuries have caught up with him a little bit. You know, he had three straight years where he, he got banged up. He had the, obviously, the, you know, he had the ribs his rookie year and then a very, very serious knee injury uh, his second year. And then he had a back injury and a concussion. You know, those things take their toll. And, you know, he's, he's going to be almost 30 years old. I think he's going to be 30 this year, which is uh, surprising when you think about that. Yeah, he was old when he got here. Yeah, yeah. He, was, he was an old rookie, as they say. And, and I think he just – maybe he's not listening to his coaches and playing the way he wants them – they want him to play. You know, he still thinks he can be that kid that came out of North Dakota State and make plays with his feet. Uh, and he just can't do that. You know, he needs probably to get rid of the ball quicker. He needs to listen to his coaches, and maybe he's not doing that. Now he's soured himself on that Frank Reich. Everybody thought, yeah, Frank will reform him. Um, and now here they are, and I think a lot of it's driven from Jim Ursay, the owner, that they want to trade him now. Uh, and listen, I mean, the Colts had a, many things go wrong down the stretch last year. And that's why they didn't make the playoffs. And Carson Wentz was a big reason for that. But there were other factors, too. But, you know, I think Wentz's injuries have caught up with him a little bit. I think he still wants to be that same guy that he was when he came into the league. And he just can't play that style anymore. And he needs to kind of, I don't know, transition his game or find another level to his game, another gear that he can hit. Um, Because he can still play quarterback in this league. I mean, he had a pretty good stretch last year where he was playing well. He was taking care of the ball, which he always seems to do. He never never has really high interception totals. But I just don't think he wants to listen to his coaches to try to change a little bit the way he plays. And he's stubborn. I think he's always been stubborn. And now he's become a journeyman, really. If they trade him, that'll be his third <laughs> team in three years. And, uh, you know, that, that's not that's not yeah. good for, yeah. for a quarterback. Amazing this where league. he was. Yeah, where from he what was. he was, right. And I, I'm, I'm going to give our buddy Martin Frank credit for this one uh, from the Delaware News Journal on the show brought up. And I didn't think about this and people are going to get mad, but I'm going to throw it out there anyway. Not about pro-vaccine, anti-vaccine, but as the leader of the team, he was one of the high-profile guys that, that didn't get vaccinated. Um, and they're paying him a lot of money. And, and it cropped up late in the season where he wasn't able to practice. And there's a leadership aspect uh, to being a quarterback on an NFL team. And we go back to our other buddy, Chip Kelly, best ability is availability. Um, and you're, you're not, uh, if you're supposed to be a leader and you're not available for your team, well, you can get away with it if you're Aaron Rodgers and you're the MVP. But if you're average, slightly above average, mm, that's where maybe Jim Irsay comes into it and says, you know what, you, you, you didn't, you're not what I thought I was getting as a leader of the football team. Is that a fair criticism? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, listen, the, the CDC kind of bailed Carson out <clears throat> by changing the rules after he was tested positive and they didn't have to miss any games. You know, he could return pretty quickly. He missed practice, though. And, you yeah, know, he missed practice. practice. If, yeah. if, you know, and he played very poorly in the game, which Martin, that's what Martin brought up. You know, maybe he would have played poorly anyway, but 
maybe played poorly because he didn't practice the entire week leading up to the game. That's certainly yeah. a potential. So absolutely. Yeah. I mean, with Carson, I don't think there's any one answer, you know, right or wrong answer. I think it's just a, a, a host of things with Carson Wentz. And yeah, you can put that in the hopper and say, yeah, that's part of it too. And you're right about the leadership side of it. If you're not going to get vaccinated as the leader of this team, then, you know, to make yourself available or do everything you possibly can to make yourself available. Yeah, that I could see that rubbing per se and others the wrong way. Um, but yeah, here we are. It's going to be interesting to see where he lands because everybody's predicting that he's going to be one of those players that moves on before, you know, the, uh, new league year opens. So, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I, I don't have any one answer, Jody. I think it's a host of answers on that one with Carson. Fair enough. Um, which of you two guys, if either, are combine bound? We just brought up how uh, Carson Wentz may have mishandled it in his teammates' eyes, the whole COVID thing, but COVID rules and regulations are being relaxed and the like. Last year's combine was so weird because it was in the midst of uh, COVID activity. They, I believe, were hoping to be able to get back to a more usual combine this year, but they had things in place in case it wasn't ready to be. Um, are either of you guys going out there, and what do you expect to see when you get there? They are, I believe, Ed is going. Um, uh, I am not. Uh, you are going, right, Ed? Well, I have my travel arrangements all made, my airfare and my room. I'm waiting on the credential. Uh, you know, we, we've submitted, you know, our organization submitted 25 to 28 credentials. And, you know, the NFL said we need to streamline this a little bit. So we're still waiting to hear uh, as, as, a, as a company how many credentials we're going to get approved for. I mean, they seem to credential just about everybody at the uh, combine. So I would yeah, expect you're, that you're you know, we will get the 25 requests fulfilled. Um, and hopefully I'll have an answer. You know, my plane's set to leave a week from Tuesday morning. So <laughs> hopefully, I'll, hopefully I'll have an answer. On I know by then, yeah, me. that's kind of a, yeah. a, a prerequisite yeah. um, to getting on a plane, knowing you need to. Yeah. But to Jody's point, they are scaling back because I saw some complaints from agents already about how they have things set up for the players. Uh, and they're still wrangling on that. And they're going to put the players in a bubble still. And they're complaining about that. So I don't know how close it's going to be to pre-pandemic. Uh, yeah. Um, the way things used to be. Uh, certainly, it seems like the players and the agents want it more like it used to be. But I don't know if we're going to get there yet. Um, but it is going to be very important for the Eagles, Ed, because they do have three first-round picks, 15, 16, 19. Obviously, Howard Roseman's going to be out there. Um, it's going to be interesting to see who's with them. Is it going to be, uh, obviously, Andy Weidel, but is 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 a certain Laurie, not the Laurie you expect, going to be out there? You'll be able to tell us that, uh, and we'll certainly be tapping into. But if you're looking at positions, I know what I'd be looking at first. What would you be looking at? Well, you know, we've already talked about the quarterback, if they're comfortable with Hurts. But, yeah, I think you got to look at the quarterback. But my big position, of course, would be defensive line, uh, especially on the edge, you know, where this is a, a class that's rich in edge rushers. Um, you know, Daniel Jeremiah has seven of his top 25 prospects as edge rushers. And 
that's right in the Eagles wheelhouse. They need edge rushers. When you look at, you know, they're not going to bring Derek Barnett back. Brandon Graham will be 34 coming off a, off an Achilles injury. Uh, you know, Josh Sweat had a nice season. You hope he can continue to head toward his ceiling, whatever that looks like. But after that, you know, they need help and, you know, there are guys out there. So I would certainly be looking hard at the edge rushers and that would be one of my uh, day one targets. And that's probably the most important position. I know a lot of people like receiver. I've seen, you know, interior offensive linemen mentioned in some mock drafts. And that makes sense to me with Brandon Brooks retiring and, uh, you know, Howie Roseman will draft players, even if there's not an opening for him. We've seen him do it in the past with, you know, taking Andre Dillard when Jason Peters and Lane Johnson were still in town. He did it with Dallas Goddard when Zach Ertz was here and Brett Selleck had yet to retire. Uh, so he'll take guys, even if there's not a position open immediately. Uh, and, and that could be the case on the interior offensive side of the ball. That's where they like to build, obviously. We've talked yeah. about it, both sides of the line. So I think they're going to look at offensive linemen in this draft, and they could. That could be a surprise first round pick for them. Everybody's thinking edge rusher definitely need one. I'd love to see him take a linebacker, but if I'm Howie Roseman, I'm looking at all the quarterbacks, doing my due diligence there to see if one could creep up and excite them and make them draft him, and then I'm looking edge rusher. And I wouldn't even be opposed to taking two edge rushers in this draft in the first round. Mm. Mm-hmm. And the interior offensive line is somewhere they went last year with a yeah. second round pick and it worked out quite well. Thank you very much. But won't that be contingent on what Jason Kelsey has to tell us, which everyone we have on the show says the same thing. He'll come forward to the Eagles and tell them his plans before the first of the new calendar and not calendar uh, league year so that if they've got to make plans to replace Jason Kelsey gives them plenty of time to do so. Uh, is it going to go right up until March 15th? Is Jason going to make them wait till the day before? Or do you think that's something we can hear over the next week or so? Yeah, I, I think the Eagles probably already know, to be honest, which way Jason's leaning. Um, I don't think it's been publicized yet, but I think they expect him to return. Um that's that to me is by all indications the way he's leaning. Now he may have a change of heart late in the process, but I think he'll come back. And does that mean they won't take an interior O lineman? I mean, yeah, you could ha- you still have Ciamalo and Dickerson at the guard spots, uh, but then if Kelsey only plays one more season, then you know who's your center? You know, probably Dickerson. You know, everybody thinks it would be him, and then you have Kenyon Green or Zion Johnson that could step in at guard. So. Uh, I think it doesn't matter if Jason Kelsey is on this team or not in 2022. I still think they'll look interior offensive line. If there's somebody that fits the bill that they like. Yeah. I'm, you got to, think- you got to start thinking about life after Jason Kelsey, even if he is coming back. And yeah. As you and, mentioned, and, and Nate Herbig yeah. is a, is an unrestricted free agent or is a restricted free restricted, agent. Restricted. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, he's a good depth guy, uh, but then Sue Peta. You know, it didn't Sue really... Opetta, we were told good things Tesla. about Sue Opetta this year. Yeah, Isn't I... Tesla tanking or or how's the stock market doing? Up and down, kind of like Opetta's game, yeah. up and down. So yeah. wasn't too good in Tampa. I guess there's no uh, charging stations in Tampa. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but after Opetta, you have uh, who uh, Driscoll, who his first two years in the yeah. league, he hadn't finished the season, you know, with a helmet on. He's been on injured reserve, so... 
you know, that's a concern is that, is that interior spot is, you know, we're, you got to start looking at that, I think, a little bit. And I think they Jack Driscoll, big favorite of Nick Sirianni, though. He's the guy you want on the bus, Ed. Jack yeah. Driscoll. Yeah, whether he has a cast on his foot or, you know, an arm in a sling, <laughs> you know, yeah, whatever it is. But, uh, yeah, he's got he's to gotta stay healthy. And, you know, that to me would be a concern is that, you know, hey, he hasn't been able to do that in two years. So, All right, last one from me, Ed. Uh, want to tell everyone to read Ed Kratz, the best in the business, si.com, backslash NFL, backslash Eagles. Or the easiest way, EagleMaven.com. Um, you probably heard when he popped on. Did you give Doug Peterson these phone numbers of Jim Bob Cooter and 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 Mike McCoy? Because he doesn't know anybody, but yet he managed to put together a staff that people are saying, eh, that doesn't look too bad down at Jacksonville. Is our old buddy going to have success with Trevor Lawrence and the Jaguars? Yeah, I, I do think he will. Um, they've got a ton of picks, just like the Eagles. They have the first overall pick again. It's going to help. Um, but yeah, I think he'll do well. I, I love the Mike Caldwell hire as the defensive coordinator. I'm surprised he really hadn't gotten any looks at uh, to be a head coach again. I mean, he had the Lions winning during his time there long ago and never got another opportunity. So I think that's a good hire at the defensive coordinator spot. Um, and they have some pieces on defense that they can work with and then they'll add to it so yeah i think doug's going to turn it around and no i did not give him jim bob cooter's phone number because um, <laughs> like i said i'm not still quite sure what jim bob cooter looks like um, <laughs> get alone have his phone number so i think he'll saw jim bob cooter there goes jim bob cooter <laughs> yeah i know and i looked over my shoulder and there was like five guys there and i'm like which one's jim bob cooter? <laughs> by the way doug grabbed a couple of other Former Philadelphia coaches to fill out his staff, Seagrass, uh, Bremen, Nick Williams. Uh, do you guys know any of these guys? Or are they Jim Bob Cooter-like for you? <laughs> uh, yes. Rory hasn't been around for a while. I was surprised Ryan Paganetti wasn't on the list. Uh, so a little disappointed yeah. for him. He hired, he hired a woman, too, to be his assistant head coach, right? I, I had never heard of her. Elizabeth Myers, I think her name is, or something like that. I don't know, Elizabeth. Uh, is she from Philadelphia? I, no, I don't believe so. If she is, again, that's, you know, she's with riding shotgun with Jim Bob Cooter there. But, I, you know, uh, I don't know the name, but I thought it was an interesting hire, you know, um, because I had never heard her name before. But, yeah, I don't know Rory Segrist or um, Nick Williams that well. Not even really at all, to be honest. Okay. I don't think they were here terribly long. But, um, no, yeah, I wouldn't know them either. I Just the name recognition is, would be all there. All right. Then your job uh, this weekend, Cratch, is get out to learn and know more people. That, that's what you need to do. Because <laughs> if you can't recognize, we're just yeah. watching jobs. Yeah, I know. Uh, always a pleasure, Edward. Thank you very much. We'll get you on in a couple weeks again, bud. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Have a great weekend. Thanks, that sir. is Ed Kratz, the great Ed Kratz, here with us on Birds 365. All right, McDonald McMullen coming back. I want to debunk a theory here in Philadelphia about factories. But I do want to give you, John McMullen, something that the Eagles are actually quite good at that they haven't gotten enough credit for. We'll explain when we come back here on Birds 365. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view. It goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. 
go to bed whenever you want. Or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the wind. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. You know you like being right. That's why you should enroll in an Independence Blue Cross plan. It's the health plan chosen by more people than any other. With more doctors and hospitals. More benefits that really rock. More of the coverage you want for the right price, including free doctor visits 24-7. It's a choice you can feel good about. Because when you're right, you're right. And when you've got Independence Blue Cross, you're right where you need to be. Call 1-844-200-2583 today to get an Independence Blue Cross plan. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. John McMullen and Jody McFound, a.k.a. your Mac Blackbirds 365 guys. Thank Eddie Kratz for hopping on. Always good. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Catch up with Ed. Uh, Chris Landry, Landry Football, ex-NFL coach, scout, uh, administrator, uh, independent scouts, going to jump aboard with us coming up in about 20 minutes. But before we go there, John, I do want to run this by you. And it just dawned on me the other day, and I said, holy mackerel. So I had to go through other teams around the league to compare them to the Philadelphia Eagles. And guess what? No one's even in their zip code. I'll explain what I mean. Um, The Eagles are supposedly a quarterback factory, right? Was that phrase not used once about the ability? Yeah, yeah. Howie doesn't... Yeah, he knows he made a mistake, but he did utter the phrase. Yes. Right. He's, he's tried to walk that one back yeah. ever since because, truth be told, it's just not true. 
what what great quarterback of the Eagles developed yeah. to went on elsewhere to become someone else's prodigy? Just isn't in the cards. So that's why he's tried to walk that. But they back. do pilfer people for quarterbacks. That part's true. Which doesn't quite make them a quarterback no. factory. There's there's no. a difference there. Yeah. Um, and Jeff Laurie last year on the press conference that announced that Doug Peterson wouldn't be coming back did go down the road of they're a GM factory that, that they've got true. a bunch of general managers in place. Which, while more true than quarterback factory, is a bit of an overstatement because Andrew Berry and Joe Douglas have graduated from Eagle front office. What have the Browns and the Jets done so far? They're two teams. I don't know that I'm hanging my hat on the success of those who've left the organization. Now they lost two more guys this year, but they did so to assistant general manager position, which surely they'll have some effect on their new teams, but they're not in the big chair yet. The two guys who did get the big chair, haven't really done anything yet with their new team. But they have the big chair. That's, you know, they have the job. Having gotten the big chair is an accomplishment to itself, yes. They've got a couple of guys who have achieved that. I'll hold off on calling them a GM factory until at least one of the guys who leaves wins, okay? I'm going to give you something that the Eagles don't use braggadocia for, which I'm not sure exactly how they should or could or would, but it just is an unbelievable stat, um, and they got to be able to weave it into something to be proud of. How many ex-Philadelphia Eagle coaches removed from their position as head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles have gone on to become a head coach somewhere else? Oh, wow, a ton of them. You know, you're saying ex Say that again. They're the coach of the Philadelphia Eagles. Oh, head coach. They get fired here. They go on to coach another National Football League team. How many in row do you think the Eagles have actually had? Um, let's see. Uh, Ray Rhodes did well, it. No, let's go in order from the guy who was just most recently the Philadelphia Eagles coach. Uh, Doug Peterson. That's one. Got another uh, gig, did he not? Yeah. Uh, Chip Kelly did. Yes. Uh, uh, people forget, but God, it was awful, but he did. <laughs> uh, Andy certainly did. Yes. Uh, Andy, Andy didn't have to wait five minutes, and he's been pretty successful. Uh, Ray Rhodes did. Um, so everybody in the Jeffrey Laurie era, um, everybody. Uh, and, you know, I, I don't think it matters when you go past because that's what are we at 27 years now? So the entire Jeffrey Lurie era. Um, right, but but you could keep going. Yeah. Because um, prior to Ray Rhodes was. Um, yeah, but I don't. I only Rich care Cotite, about. Believe it or not, Rich Cotite yeah, got, got another gig. Job, but Buddy I, Ryan. Buddy Ryan got another gig after he got pushed out of Philadelphia. Yeah, my only point is. Like, I cut off at the Laurie era because that's all that matters to me because that's the organization now. Like, in other words, the organization past doesn't have a bearing on on the organization now. Like, I think the Jeffrey Laurie organization deserves credit for what you just said. They generally hire pretty well. And to be honest, I hear your definition, but the GM... 
I mean, they get more interest than anybody else when it comes to personnel people. And you've already seen it this offseason with Ian Cunningham and uh, Brandon Brown, and even just getting interviews with Catherine Raich. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I give this organization a lot of credit. They're very well respected. And people get yelled at me around the league when I tell them that. I don't know why. I don't know why that makes people angry, but they're very, very well respected around the league and you could say that shouldn't be the way uh but it is uh so i i mean they must be doing something right that's how i look at it when i uh, i forget what i was listening i was listening to the radio sports talk radio somewhere and somebody mentioned about somewhere that uh this is where careers go to die I think it was for coaches, and it might have been Detroit. You go to Detroit, you get the head coaching <laughs> job there. You got no chance to ever get another job somewhere else. Doug P., Chip Kelly, Andy Reid, Rich Kotite, Buddy Ryan, Marion Campbell, going back again, you're right, pre-organization, pre-Norman uh, Brayman, as a matter of fact. Uh, Dick Vermeil and Mike McCormick. That's nine consecutive coaches who were head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles and still, after being fired by the Eagles, went and got a head coaching job somewhere else. And I'm talking NFL. Because if you want to go back even further, Ed Kayat, who yeah, famously I, well, was fired. When you, when you start talking <laughs> about Mike McCormick and Marion Campbell, um, then that's kind of the era that I talk about that modern – Eagles fans don't know about the Eagles were pretty, pretty bad organization at that point in time. Um, so I don't know, like Chip Kelly, I'll bring up because chips, you know, chips shouldn't have gotten another job, but he did because San Francisco made a bad decision and they correctly <laughs> quickly remedied that decision. Uh, so everything is contextual, but I hear what you're saying. And, and my overriding point, which I bring up all the time, is the reason that happens is because the organization is well-respected. But it is interesting because it, it seemed like Doug had a tougher time than Chip, for instance. A lot of times things in this league don't, don't make sense. They, they really don't. And some of it is just happenstance. Um. But overall, the theme is there. I think you're correct. Overall, the theme is there that people look at the Eagles and say, well, if they hired him, he can't be that bad. And uh, I mentioned one more. The, the last guy who didn't get a head coaching gig and was the head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles well before your time, well before my time. But uh, certainly I've heard and read about uh, his incompetency when head coach of the Eagles, Eddie Kayat, he was actually got another head coaching job, a professional head coaching job. It just wasn't in the National Football League. Did you know he was the head coach of not one, not two, but three different Arena League football teams? Arena football, yeah. I, I'll buy you a Diet Coke if you can name any of the three teams in ah, Arena Football Ed Kayat was a coach of. That's, uh, oof, uh, I can't even... Boy, arena football teams. Have, how about the – I'm trying to think of the – they used to have a Jersey team. Uh, 
the gladiators, I think. I'll throw yeah, them out there. The Jersey team, you you're you may be correct about that. I'm not going to correct you. It wasn't an Ed Kayat coach team. The New Orleans Knights. Oh, I don't even remember them. The Nashville Cats with a K. Don't remember them. Or the Carolina Cobras. That uh, rings a little bit of a bell. I remember, now that you bring up New Orleans, I remember the New Orleans Voodoo, which I thought was a great name uh, for the AFL, and they had a great logo. But, yeah, the, the Gladiators used to play at the old Brendan Byrne Arena, as it was then called, uh, which you know well. Yes, been to the, the Brendan Byrne many times. Um. They used to play there. Then they moved to Las Vegas, I believe. Cleveland as well, maybe. Uh, yeah, those teams used to bounce around. And then Jaws, the great Philadelphia Soul, uh, John Bon Jovi, world champion. I got a, I got a soul, soul jersey up in my closet somewhere. I can you? guarantee you that. Yeah, I got yeah. Uh, one. They, did, they won a couple championships, didn't they? Yeah, the Soul? Yeah, at least one, I think. Yeah. I think the league shut down once. I think he won one, then they shut down the league. Then it came back, and he might have gotten another one, did Jaws. Yeah, I, I I think that second one, I think Jaws, like, owned every team. So I don't <laughs> think it counted. I think they had four teams, and he owned every one he of them. He owned all of them. Might, yeah. might very well have been. But, yeah, I got a, a sold jersey upstairs in my closet. And the Brendan Byrne Arena played on the floor, charity basketball. There we go. A, I think it was a net game. It was before the net game or after the net game. But maybe it was a college basketball game, but we played a uh, charity basketball game. Anytime you're playing a charity basketball game on a professional NBA floor, that is pretty cool. I'm, I I used to know, Jody, the name of every major arena in this country, and still they went haywire and put uh, sponsors on it. No, you can't, you, can't, you can't be expected to keep no, track of them now. No. It's ridiculous. They can't do it anymore. Used to know every single. You could give me the city, I'd tell you the arena. Can't do. Don't know any of them now. It's really, I I hate it. No. One of my pet peeves. And your best bet these days is to go Bitcoin. If you're going to take a guess on who the sponsors are, Bitcoin. when in doubt, go Bitcoin, Bitcoin. with the arena. It, it used to be yeah. airlines for a good couple yeah. of years. Yeah. Now it's Bitcoin. They're taking over yeah. the world. Um, much like uh, the national. Football I like League. the old Brendan Byrne Governor Brendan Byrne Arena. Uh, And the best, of course, right here in Philadelphia, where we've got a hockey slash basketball arena, which changed names about three times in the first 10 years. Yeah, what do we got? Uh, Core State Center, uh, First Union Center, uh, the FU Center, as famously described. And they didn't think that one out. Uh, Wells Fargo. Yeah, I like the Spectrum. There we go. America's uh, Showplace. Personal fan of the FU Center, but that's just me. That's my personality, so um doesn't say much for me, but it is the truth. Uh, yeah, that's why I can't. I, I, I don't even try to remember the names of arenas because there's a good chance some bank's going to be sold or swallowed up, and it's yeah, going to change, and you're like going to have to learn a new one. Like the old days, the Summit in Houston. Yeah, that was see. That's a great arena name, and you, you would always know it. Now I don't know. I don't know what it is. Uh, yeah. What is Toyota Center? I think in Houston, unless they changed it again. Yeah, I like things like Gardens and Forum. Those were Madison easy Square to Garden never changes. 
No, or they, they had one up in Montreal forever, but they do not change name. They change names uh, like it's going out of style. All right. Uh, our buddy is going to join us coming up in uh, just a couple. Looking forward to talking to Chris Landry. And I want to get his take on this year's college crop because it's going to be a little bit different. Uh, much <clears> like <throat> we're saying, arena names change all the time the way that uh, the draft is going to be populated this year. It's going to be a little bit different. Never before has a college player been able to earn money in college, or at least above the table, <clears throat> earn money in college prior to this year. Do you think that's going to change the way that any teams look at players that you might want a certain <clears throat> type of player? Cause we are seeing players have troubles and issues with attitudes and the like in the national football league. A different type of young man will be coming out of college this year because some have already made a nice chunk of change before they ever got into the National Football League. Do you think that's going to have any effect on the way that the I, young man? I, it's interesting. I didn't think of that. Um, I, I, I mean, they they put everything in the hopper, so <laughs> I imagine they'll put that in the hopper as well. I don't know how you. Oh, that's the most difficult part of this, you know. I always laugh and I chuckle and I still chuckle when coaches talk about, and they all talk about it now because it's become this cookie cutter thing. It's become, I, that's when I want to ask Chris about this cookie cutter profession as a whole. Um, guys love ball. He loves ball. He loves ball. And I chuckle at that, but it's, it's like important to them because, you know, if, you know, you're only paint playing this game because it's your way to make a lot of money. And a lot of people do that. I mean, and understandably so uh, you're probably not going to live up. And Nick Sirianni talks about it all the time. If you, if you love the game, you have the work ethic and you marry it with the talent. Those are the guys that turn into the Aaron Donalds that we talked about. Um, there might be somebody as gifted as Aaron Donald, but they don't have the other stuff. They don't like the game and they're not going to be Aaron Donald. So it is one of those things where you try to flesh it out the best way you can, but it's like a job interview. And I look at nobody tells the truth at their job interviews. Nobody, nobody in the history of the world has gone in there and say, wow, I don't think I'm prepared for this, Jody. Uh, I don't think I'm ready. I, I, you know, I don't really like this. They want to get the job, right? Young kids going into the NFL are the same way. They tell you what you think you want to hear, and you got to try to figure out. And that's that's a bigger problem than the NFL. Everybody in the world is trying to figure that out, and it's not easy. And that's why you screw up and miss guys and 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 make mistakes. So, yeah, I imagine that'll be thrown in the hopper as well. And the reason why I think it will be underanalyzed and to this point has been and will continue to be, if not even more so going forward, is you can't put a number on it. That's not something you can stick can't, a number never on can. and no. analytically evaluate, whereas so many people in sports believe numbers tell the way to build a team and win game. And it, it can't be analytically driven. you got to be able to listen. you got to be able to look into a kid's eyes. you got to be able to get a feel for him. God forbid anybody ever do anything by feel. You have to have an analytical reason why you did something. Well, guess what? In the NFL draft, you got to be able to not only analyze the numbers and the tape, 
but you got to be able to analyze the young man too before you call his name out on draft night. Uh, we'll talk about some of that with our next guest. Uh, we'll get him up here in just a couple. Uh, looking forward to talking football with Chris Landry next here on Birds 365. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view. It goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. Or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. You know you like being right. That's why you should enroll in an Independence Blue Cross plan. It's the health plan chosen by more people than any other. With more doctors and hospitals. More benefits that really rock. More of the coverage you want for the right price, including free doctor visits 24-7. It's a choice you can feel good about. Because when you're right, you're right. And when you've got Independence Blue Cross, you're right where you need to be. Call 1-844-200-2583 today to get an Independence Blue Cross plan. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. John McMullen, Jody McDonald, here we are on Birds 365. We've got an esteemed guest to join us, uh, one of the best uh, radio spots when it comes to talking about scouting and roster building and the combine and trying to pick free agents and the like. We're going to tap into him for his expertise for the next 25, 30 minutes or so. Chris Landry from Landry Football joins us here on LandryFootball.com. Uh, his podcast on his website as well. You got to check out Chris Jody McDonald and John McMullen here. How you been, bud? I've been good, guys. Uh, how are you guys doing? How's the new, new year starting? I guess it's not new anymore. <laughs> new, almost new league year, though, Chris. And that's yes. what's exciting for us. But I, I, I guess we'll start there. And I wanted to ask you, uh, because you have so much experience around this league, when you look at, uh, uh, the coaching carousel and and how things have changed over the years. 
I don't know. To me, it comes across as somebody on the outside looking in is a bit of a, a cookie cutter approach. Do you get the same feeling as, as teams maybe too much copycatting or, or, or do you think um, there's some deep sort of uh, discussion and in, in they're getting away from group think? I think there's, it's a, I think there's a, that's, there's a lot of validity of what you said. I think, what we're getting is a lot of folks that are getting into just generalized, what I call generalized analytics, which is how other people are doing it, which is cop, another word for copycat, um, which worked in the past. Um, you know, you, you see Kyle Shanahan having success. You see Sean McVay having success. You see, you know, Zach Taylor having success. You, uh, oh, let's go, you know, so you, you know, oh, so you, who's the next guy? Well, Minnesota, Kevin O'Connell. I mean, you see a lot of that. Uh, and you know, a lot of it is what works is what it's work. What's working? Uh, there's a lot of belief that, in terms of coaching, uh, you've got to get the quarterback situation right. So having somebody, uh, either it's the head guy or somebody that's really strong, that's up and coming, that's good at identifying, evaluating, identifying, and, and coaching up the quarterback situation, because you're really behind the eight ball if you don't have one. It doesn't guarantee you that you're going to win one, but it guarantees you that you're not going to win if you don't have one. So I think a lot of that is cookie cutter, copycat. Um, I, you know, and it, it look. I mean, you can look at it both ways. I have been. I'm a. I'm rooted in the football background, so coaching and scouting. This is this is a business, but it's the business of football. So I want people that know how to evaluate coaches, and, and know what it's like to coach. And, and also people that evaluate potential GMs, people that know how to evaluate. And to me, that's coaches and scouts. If you haven't done it, then if you're not – when you're in that position and you get that job, then how do you evaluate something that you've never done yourself? But a lot of people don't think that way. And I do think a lot of football people, though, have kind of ruined their own nest, so to speak, because they hire their buds and they think – you know, and they, they don't – think enough they a little too myopic in the way they think so I think look I do a lot of coaching search work a lot of front office search work college in the NFL and look I'm I'm glad people are not really good at it because it it keeps me in business so to speak because <laughs> quite frankly you'd be shocked you'd be shocked I mean some of these people that I mean they're getting GM jobs and, and I mean they I mean they really have no background in football but Due to the salary cap, due to that, I think that has some real merit to have business analytics and people like that involved in the organization. But when they get in the organization, sometimes they develop that relationship with the owner and they end up being the chief guy. And then, of course, when they're doing that and then they tend to be involved maybe too much in the football decisions. But some people that have a good personality or have a good way and don't have an ego that's out of control, they can listen to football people and kind of be the mediator in the room and to listen through it but I, and ask the right questions. Because I think that's important. You know, I always think that if your head coach uh, is not only got to be good at, at, at certain things, he's got to lead. He's got to lead the team, but he's got to lead the staff. And if your staff doesn't respect the head coach's football acumen, if the head coach can't coach the coaches, well, then I think you're going to have a problem there. And I think the same thing personally in in the GM world, although that's becoming more muddied, 
uh, I, I think who's scouting the scouts, who's coaching the scouts. And, um, you know, but there's some people that are maybe just fit as evaluators and are not as good at dealing with the cap and things. So it's basically like they're coming through the side door. And this is where we've got, uh, I think, a lot of this cookie cutter thinking that you speak of as opposed to say, I know who I'm going to hire as a coach and hire as my GM. And I think this is a good fit because of my just experience of, of doing both. I mean, those are the things that, that I see different. Chris, it's uh, great that you took it down the analytical road because that's right where I wanted to go. John and I were discussing this right before you came on. I said, there's a new wrinkle to trying to evaluate players at the combine this year <clears throat> in that players will have, I think most, and some may, might be actually a pretty good chunk of change, have made money with the new NIL and uh, college football. It used to be you were getting a kid. He was desperate to get to the NFL. He wanted to start his job, which is a pretty good job to play football for a lot of money. But uh, first chance ever to make some cash. Well, now you got a different group of individuals moving into the league. Guys who've already made money playing college football. So you need to determine how motivated are they just to play the love of the game. That's something you can't put an analytical number on. How tough is that? Different teams, different, do it differently with different questions. And when they get a chance to interview the kid, everybody's got their own little style and the like. How difficult, how important is that to be able to judge how much a guy really loves playing football? Well, I think it, it goes down to knowing how to scout and how to evaluate. You know, scouting is about looking at film. It's about being out there at practice, but it's about having – deep-rooted relationships with coaches that coach these players. So you're not going to get a coach to come out on a show like this or something and say, yeah, my guy that's coming out, he really doesn't work for us. They're going to say positive things. But when you have relationships, and, and in some cases you're able to help those coaches in their career, you can have conversations that will say, you know, look, my guy's Look, he needs to be led to the trough now. He, he he's got to. He, you need to kick him in the pants, and you you have to know over years of experience. You know the equipment managers, the trainers, because a lot of coaches change over the years, right? But usually the trainers and the equipment guys, the academic advisors, the secretaries in the office, you get to know them. You you've gone to that school for 20 years and you bring donuts and you bring little gifts and things <laughs> you that you 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 develop a friendship with them and you can pull them aside and say, you know, and they'll be look, I had the role when I was coaching in college at LSU. And I learned early on the worst thing you can do is say great the great things about every one of your players because if it's not true you're, it's going to hurt when you say something good about a player in the future. They're not going to believe you, <laughs> you know. So just just tell it like it is in in a tactful way. That's not going to hurt your program. But but that's you got to know the player as much as you can, and then you go to the film. What is he doing? Is he working hard? What type of practice player is he? What happens when the eyes are not watching him? You've got to find that out. Does he play hard? Does he play hard for four quarters? Does he play in all the games? Does he? That tells you a lot. You know, you can't measure heart. You're correct, but there are what I call heart indicators. There are things that players with heart and desire do 
that others tend to take shortcuts on. Um, I, I just, you know, look, I, I begged, um, loved him, but he was quirky. I begged, I, I told Al Davis, I told Bruce Kebrick, do not ta- draft Jamarcus Russell. He's going to be a killer. He is a coach killer. He's an organizational killer. And this was before the, the recent salary um, CBA where the, yeah. the rookie salary, this was, it's like, you know, he had to, I mean, he was just, he was, he was a, the easiest bust ever, but I knew him from high school. I knew him from way back. I was in the NFL at the time um, and I was doing consulting work, but I knew him. It's just, I don't know that I can answer it other than you have to know it. And I think a lot of people don't, and you know, you can't get it figured out in a 15 minute interview at the combine. When I was running the combine, you could have a lot more time with the guys. Now it's just 15 minutes and it's just like a, a quick audition for, Broadway. I, mean, I don't know. I don't even know. Not, not that I know what that's like. It's just, you're not going to get yeah. it. So you got to go down. You're going to hear about this. Well, so-and-so, the Eagles are going down to XYZ campus and they're going to visit. When we drafted Steve McNair, when we drafted Eddie George, when we drafted Javon, on and on and on, you know, we didn't make that decision until in the end we got to know him. And the best way we did is after knowing all the things that we need to know about him, we went down and visited with him for an entire day and we grilled him. And we, you don't ask them if they like football. No one's going to tell you, heck no, I don't like football. Yeah. I just like the money. You know, you ask them things that are going to tell you whether they like football. What, what was that? Um, what were you thinking there in the Alabama game on the third down? What, That'll tell you right there, the guy that knows football, that loves football, tell you, coach, I tell you, I showed my hat too high. I got, you know, we were in the wrong defense. We got, he'll know. The guy that done that, I don't know. You know I mean? Yeah, it's, I'm just doing what my coach tells me. Yeah. That, little things like that will tell me right away what a guy is or what a guy isn't. Yeah, you bring up a good point, Chris, because uh, as you mentioned, when you were doing it, people had a lot more time and and things are more streamlined now. And you get these 10, 15 minute meetings and how much do you get? It's like a job interview. Before you came on, I was saying it. Anybody who's ever had a job interview, well, you don't go into that job interview going, oh, I'm terrible. I'm not qualified for this job. You try to uh, make yourself look as as good as humanly possible. So those little tricks of the trade that everybody kind of wants to do away with and, and wants to put that analytical number on it, it doesn't exist. So how, how do you do it in today's environment? Uh, well, here's, what, here's what I do. It's exactly what I do. And if it 15 minutes, you don't have much time. You're right. So. I sound like a jerk, but I learned this from Belichick. <laughs> so here, here's what you do. You, you got a guy, you, 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 you got a little bit of information. The other thing that John, that, 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 that to throw into what you just said is the agents hire people to train them on interviews. Yeah, so yeah, it's like yeah. they come in and they're like robot and they know what to say. Yeah. So I thought we try to throw them off. You come in, guy comes in, we'll have the tape pause to the worst play this guy ever played. <laughs> you come in, what the bleep was this, Jody? I mean, you got to be kidding me. Your, your, ass, your ass is going to be gone in the one week in this league. Set them off, right, get them, you know, and just and see how they react, you know, and how they react, put them in a difficult environment. 
I know that's people are listening saying, boy, you're really a jerk. Well, yeah, I, I, you, you know, but it, it is. <laughs> gotta be. Yeah, yeah, you you yeah. just got, okay. The, the other thing is you got to take it off script. You know, most of the time I didn't do that. I don't, I, that's not how I do it every time. You know, um, you just have maybe two minutes. How you doing? Whatever. How's it? Boom, boom, boom. Move you. And then all of a sudden take it in a different direction. You know, just a hey, nice cities. How you doing? Boom. Florida again, third down. What happened? You just, you know, what do you do? I'm, I'm in this situation. We got this situation here. How are you going to handle it? You know, all of a sudden, you know, it's, you th- they haven't prepared for that. Now you get the real guy because you, you've given them something that, that is unique to what you might want to know that's opposed to the generic. Yeah, the, the generic 15 questions that you get in. Well, my God, by the time they – you know who has the best interview with the player? The, the one that he goes in on the fifth interview with because by the time he's heard it five times, yeah, he yeah. already knows it. So you have to break that cycle. Look, it's you just have to get to know the guy, but you know the guy going in and you know what to ask. He knows that he had he got kicked off the team one spring two years ago. There was something that happened with a laptop that he you know whatever. So he knows he's going to get asked about it. So he's going. But then there are other things he may not know about, uh, and those things are, are things that you have to do. It's it's not a cookie cutter. To your point, you can't be cookie cutter. You have to be unique about what we're going to know. And look, we we didn't try to get interview everybody. The other thing is, in addition to the official interviews, the position coaches have some free time with these guys that we send the position coaches because while the, while the offensive line may be working out, the defensive line coaches can be at the what we call the, 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 the train station, which is the, uh, the union station where the players stay. And at, at Indy, for example, and, and they're like, they're sitting down with them and having a Coke or whatever. And, and, um, and you can maybe get to learn a little bit more about it. And you just kind of piece it together. You East-West game, the senior bowl, this. Then you bring them into to your facility. You go to their facility. It's not – I know this is going to disappoint everybody, but everybody got their mock drafts and all that. None of these – it's all guessing and for clicks because these teams are still in the evaluation period But the, because the coaches are getting involved now. Now, the teams that haven't made the playoffs have been involved for five weeks. Obviously, the team's in the playoffs less time, but it's an evolving process. And they're just still, as coaches, getting to look at film. Pro personnel, I mean, the college scouts have been doing this for a while, but the pro personnel department is involved in free agency. You start to combine the information of, A, you figure out what your needs are going to be, your strategy is going to be, but the evaluation process of these players, people are saying, well, how could a guy move up? The season's over. Because you're not finishing watching all the tape. You can't, when the season is going on, I like to equate it looking at film during the season is like running on the treadmill. You're running, but you're not going anywhere. <laughs> but when, Because you got, you got all sorts of games every week, right? Yeah. So you can't look at every game every week. By March, I'm going to be able to look at, you know, you know, uh, nine, 10, 11 games of all these top guys. But in January 1st, it's not possible to do that. Now, that's why you got area scouts, you got region guys. And then as you get more and more tape, then you can start to collate it, bring it all together. And that and only then, here's the thing too, people don't set their draft boards until their final meetings 
in April. Oh, they've got a board, but it is not looking anything like it's going to look like uh, April 10th. All right, I want to talk to you about your fluid board because, as you say, uh, we got months before the draft actually hits us. So I know full well you've got more tape work to do. But the preliminary stuff you've done, this year's quarterback class, because there's a big debate in Philadelphia as to whether the Eagles will or should be looking at a quarterback in this draft or just stay with Jalen Hurts, how would you describe this year's quarterback class as compared to others and or futures, good, bad, indifferent. If you want to specifically talk about any individual players, please do so. But I'm asking you about the entire quarterback class. How does it rank with what you've seen previously? I would, if I had to do the one word, I'd say risky. Because there is not a player. And again, I'm not done. I reserve the right to change it if I see, but I, there's not a, a quarterback in this draft that I'll have a first-round grade on. But there'll be three go in the first round. We've discussed that in the past. You know, you don't have 32 first-round grades. None of these quarterbacks are first-round value. But usually if you're second-round value, particularly high second-round value, you're going in the first round. Um, look, Kenny Pickett is a really good player that I like. Um, you know, he could be a, a Kirk Cousins type of guy. Maybe a tad better. You know, we'll see in time with development. Uh, Matt Corral is as tough as nails, um, but a developmental guy that is in an offense where they scheme guys open pretty effectively. And But, you know, I, I, again, you know, I'm not saying that you shouldn't take him, but you're going to have to overtake him. You're going to have to take him higher. Sam Howell is a guy that is maybe a better attitude version of a Baker Mayfield. With, with not quite as risky nature, but he's got some of the similar build and style. So I think those things uh, are is how I would classify it. You, you just, if you want one, you need one, you're going to have to reach for them and take them. Um, and that's just, you're going to have to live with it. And because of what we talked about, that you're not having to pay the money like you pay a Sam Bradford by taking him one, whatever, then hey, a lot of guys feel like if, if I don't have one and I kind of like this guy, I, in order to get him, I'm going to have to take him at 15 or whatever. Then you take him. If it doesn't work out, they won't ever tell you this, then we got to try again because if we don't get one, we're in trouble. And, and look, Jalen Hurts has actually done leave even better than I thought he would. Um, you know, a lot of guys, a lot of people like Mahomes but wasn't, you know, crazy about I love Josh Allen. A lot of people say, oh, that's too high. But physical gifts were there. So keep in mind that people will look at past guys and say, you know what? Buffalo's pretty glad that they took a chance. And, you know, a team like the Saints is probably disappointed that they probably didn't move ahead to take Mahomes because that was something they were thinking of doing at the time. And, and of course, you know, uh, the, the Chiefs did. And so a, a lot of that's going to factor in. But it's not a great group. The the thing at the top of the graph is we're not going to have how high they're going to go. Look, I'm not going to sit here and predict because guys will get antsy and they're going to go higher and higher and higher. Oh, yeah. what, can, can I can I guarantee you that one of those quarterbacks is not going to go in the top 10? Absolutely not, because somebody's going to take the cheese. Somebody's going to move up to get them or something, and it may work out. It may not. But somebody's going to end up doing it. I'm just saying that if you're ranking 
what may be about 20 or so first round grades overall in this draft, the quarterbacks are not going to be one of them in my mind. Chris, you you mentioned draft boards and I, I think this is always interesting for fans. So I, I, I want you to get, I want you to tell them it's April 28th. So draft nights, um, the Eagles will use as we're here in Philadelphia. They have 10 picks. What is that? I think this always surprises fans. What is that draft board? What does it whittle down to for the average team? How many, how many, how many prospects do they have on that actual draft board? I think fans look at it and they see Bob's draft site has three, a top 300 and they don't realize how, how they whittle it down. What, what is the smallest draft board you've ever seen or heard of, and what's the largest uh, draft board? Oh, um, well, first of all, there, there's the two, they're different, two different boards. Yeah. So you've got a board, um, what, what we call the, um, uh, the, the vertical board. Vertical. Which is man. by vertical and horizontal. Yeah. Vertical is just by position. So you got all the players in their rank. But yeah. The, the horizontal board's the best players regardless of position, and, and those are kind of the fit of where you want. So to your point, yeah, you know, and the people understand that, yeah, you're going to have the, the, the vertical board, you're going to have all sorts of names because you track what everybody else is doing, but those are not – many of those guys are not guys you would take at any point. But uh, the smaller so 65, but Belichick will have 65, 75 top. Uh, you you do your draft board with one one fifty. What the way I always did? It's a cutoff point. It's usually, um, well, the, the grading scale. I won't bore you with that. That's a that's a twenty thirty minute conversation. In that <laughs> stuff. But, but let's so like a five five grade or above. That they, and so you 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 may not have one hundred fifty guys. You may have one hundred sixty five. Or you know I may take it. To, that's all you need. Because, you know, uh, but here's the other thing is you still have the other board because when you when the draft gets to completion, then you really begin to work in the seventh round where you might maneuver and getting an extra seventh round pick to take a guy that you've got graded with a fourth round grade that you don't want to have to compete with eight other teams to sign them as an undrafted free agent. And this is why people say, what is the draft so long, the seventh round? Because you're getting two in your opinion, fourth round grady players. Now you may be wrong in your evaluations. You may be right, but so uh, you, you, to answer your question, to to use a generic number 150, which can be anywhere from a hundred could be anywhere from 175. Let's say 150 is kind of usually a sweet spot, but you usually your cutoff point should be at a grade because I mean, if you've got, you know, uh, 15 players with five, five grades and all 15 of them should be, in in that that 150 board or if you cut off points a little bit higher maybe less so that's how i do it and i think it's the most teams that i work with do it similarly all right chris i want to uh, tie the last uh answer you gave to my question the size of your draft board the look of your draft board your draft board right now in february certainly different than what's gonna look like in april in between those two dates is free agency Yes. Going to kick off first of the year, March 16th. You fill some void. You get some players. Some guys walk away. Part of that fluidity is that guys come and go from your roster. But when they come, how much of an effect does that have on the draft board? You got your draft board now. Yeah. You think you know what your needs are. 
but then you fill your needs and or other needs are created that you weren't uh, banking on. What's the most drastic you've seen a team just have to change their draft board from completely different to what it becomes in April? Because there's an important facet in between called free agency. Okay. Great question. Great points. First of all, you should never change the draft board based upon need. That's why I asked, but I know. Okay. You know what happens. Correct. I know what happens. Well, no, 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 no. Here's the thing. Here's the two different things. You can't make a player better or worse, worse based on need. Correct. Now, you can go ahead and say, look, we're really good and we need a tackle. We can reach. That's fine. If you want to do that, that strategy. That doesn't make the player better. But here's here how it works. You just mentioned it in between. Free agency comes first. So here's what happens after the season. The first step is what? You evaluate your team, your position coaches, your coordinators, everybody in your per- personnel department, per personnel department, evaluate your team. Where? How did each uh, guys graduate? Uh, 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 how do we evaluate each of these guys? How do they grade out? Uh, what's the priority? What's the contract situation? How much do we think they have left? So on and so forth. And then you compare them to the other guys in the league. So your pro personnel department has been studying pro players all year long, how you got those guys graded. Every player in the league, not just potential free agents, because you don't know who's going to be a free agent. We're going to know on March 16th officially. But you know what? Some of those guys are going to be signed before, and some of those guys that are not expected to be free agents – Oodles of them are gonna gonna be released by their team. You need to know in a moment's notice. We want that guy. Is he better than our guy? He's a better third tackle than our guy. Whatever. So you evaluate your team. You evaluate the league, and that that I think the best teams feel needs in free agency and get good value in free agency, so that in the draft it allows you to get the best players because. Filling needs in free agency is easier because you've got guys that are playing in the league, that are successful in the league, that you're grading against guys playing in the league. Fill the needs. Now, sometimes you can't. You know, you've got a guy that you really like, but you're not going to play your your third best. You're not going to play a receiver that would be the third best receiver on your team more money than the other two. You've just now inflated your entire receiver room and, and you've created problems. So there's a point in your evaluation where you decide, this is how I grade them. This is what I, how I think they're worth. This is what, how much we pay. And based on that, you fill your needs. Then you go into the draft, you'll still have needs. And you'd ideally like to mesh those needs with value on the board. But I'm just telling you that you can take whoever you want. And Jody, to your point, yeah, some people reach and take a player of need. If they take a player of need – over a players that are much better on their board, then they have wasted millions of dollars of evaluation because they're taking a lesser player. And we all know needs fluctuate all the time, right? You can have the best linebacking core in the league, and then by midseason it's the weakest because of injuries and attrition or what have you. So you can't make the, the need of the position allow you to, make, to raise a player's grade. Keep him where he is. I always say, look, no, no, no. That's where he's graded. Now, if you want to go there and you want to take him and reach down and take him, you know, you take him. But just you take him knowing that's where he is as a player as we got him graded, and he may work out and he doesn't. And, And you can do that in some cases if you have a good enough roster. But, again, need 
does not make you an evaluator. It doesn't make you a better player. But you have to <clears> fill <throat> needs. And, and sometimes you do that. Look, fill needs later. Because here's the thing. At the top of the draft board, there's greater separation between players. You know, you need a corner. Well, guess what? There's a drop-off after two. Uh, you know, I have drop-off after one. But in the third round, you're going to have a cluster of those guys. And you have to, you have to compare. The, I, I will do this as far as when we get into that, I will go as far as to say, Mr. Secondary Coach, just to have this as an example, who do you like better? This guy, be player on your team. This guy who's on another team. This guy in the draft. And, and what, if the value of the players in the league are not appreciably better than the young guy, then you say, you know, the, the greater value is in the draft. So you work through that. I know that's a long answer, but, but you have to be thorough through all aspects yeah. to make yeah. sure that you don't, you know, don't cre- – that's the other thing in free agency. I mean, some of it, it's like a, a darn church fair. We're going to get that guy and pay whatever – you, what have you done? You've just paid a guy that, and you've just overinflated your roster. And now, what are you going to play your really good players if you played an average player because you feel, like, hey, I got this guy? You know that story, the whole winners in free agency. The yeah. winners in free agency, they feel never need. win. That's yeah. right. The winners in free agencies are the ones that get guys on one year deals, that plug in needs, that gets good value. It's the very rarely, and there are some exceptions. Very rarely, the big money is is very rarely does it work. Because remember, most of the people, and I know people will laugh when I say this, most of the people in this league are not idiots. So if you've got a team that decides we're not going to keep old Joe here, and you're going to overpay for Joe, and they know him a lot better than you do, you better think twice about doing. Make sure you know what you're doing. Is what I'm saying. Agreed. Chris, last one from me and everyone uh, follow Chris at Landry Football on Twitter, LandryFootball.com obviously does a tremendous job. You bring up something that's always been interesting to me, and I've heard it a couple times from personnel people over the years. So I want to throw it out to you. Wouldn't it make it easier for NFL teams to build rosters if the draft was before free agency, um, the, it, it not I don't know that it would. Uh, and but the problem with that is, it's the gap that you have because at least in pro personnel, the other people that become involved, as you know, I don't know. I'll, I'll go back a while. We used to have the draft in January. Yeah, I, I don't know if you, I know you guys remember. I, your listeners are saying, what? Yeah, but you didn't have free agency then. Um, the problem is, at least in free agency, your coaches and everybody that's involved in the decision are more familiar with players in the league than the players in college. Because at least, like, you know, if you're, if you're an Eagles coach, you know that Giants and Cowboys and everybody you've played, not only do you know that, but when you're playing the – getting prepared for the Cowboys and they're playing – you're breaking down film of them bringing the Chargers. You know the league better. So it is easier to get ready quicker for free agency through the whole organization than the draft. The draft takes a little bit longer because there's that period of what we try to do with the combine, which is more important than anything is the medical physicals and things like that. So I, I'd like 
I, I think the way they do it is the better way because I don't think getting it, – it would be more mistakes getting ready for the draft, and I think there are less mistakes, you know, in getting ready for free agency because there's more of a known with the players. In the, not that they're not mistakes, but they're mistakes of, well, aggression, we're going to pay a ton and we got to overpay because we're the, the worst team in the league, that sort of thing. But, I, no, I, I, I see it the way it is as the better way to do it. And, you know, if they were to do anything and maybe move – I don't think we need to move the draft back, but we have over time. It used to be, as you guys know, early April, mid-April. I mean, if they did anything, we might move it. Since we moved the combine back a bit more, I could see maybe moving the draft to the first week in May or something. And we might see that move back. But I, I think free agent – that would move everything back a week or so. Because if you're going to move the Super Bowl back, you're going to move every playoff back, then you need to move the offseason back concurrently so that you still have the same amount of spacing. No, you're getting ready for both. The upcoming free agency and the draft. you got to check out his website, LandryFootball.com. His podcasts are a must leading into free agency and the draft. Veteran college and NFL scout and administrator and coach our buddy Chris Landry here with us on Birds 365. Certainly see how we're going to have you on again before the draft kicks off. Please we do. You. We thank you much for coming on with us today. Uh, we will be in touch. Uh, one last thing. What are you going to do with the rest of your day? Oh, I've got a lot of work. Got a lot of film. <laughs> I, I've got, I got a lot of, I got a lot of pre, uh, the consulting, I got a lot of pre-stuff before I head for the combine and, we got we got to go a little bit earlier for personnel meetings. So uh, I've got a lot of committee stuff I've got to work through. That I call it that junk that I got to work through. But and I got uh-huh. I still got you know grinding tape. Free as you mentioned, free agency and the drafts coming up. And by the way, the combine has just gotten unbelievable. I'm sure you guys know it's it, when I was running it, it was just that the workouts. But it's now the convention. The trainers have their convention. The video directors have their convention. The agents have their convention, and and so it's a it's it's the right before the start of the league year, and so it's it's just amazing. You can see the GM. Some of the GMs are not even at the workouts. They're they're trying to work deals. The yeah. it's the illegal tampering before yeah. the illegal oh, tampering yeah. that's going on right now. So, hey, it's always great to be with you guys. Don't be a stranger. Look me up anytime. Thanks, we Chris. will certainly be in touch and tap into you for your expertise again. Guy's as busy as the day is long, and he carved out a half an hour for us. Grateful for Chris Landry hopping on with us, and we will get him back on again. He's John McMullen. I'm Jody McDonald. Hey, we're running out of show. Come back. We'll put a bow on it. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view that goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. Or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the wind. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. You know you like being right. That's why you should enroll in an Independence Blue Cross plan. It's the health plan chosen by more people than any other, with more doctors and hospitals, more benefits that really rock. 
more of the coverage you want for the right price, including free doctor visits 24-7. It's a choice you can feel good about, because when you're right, you're right. And when you've got Independence Blue Cross, you're right where you need to be. Call 1-844-200-2583 today to get an Independence Blue Cross plan. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. All right, was a shorty week for us here on Birds 365. Took a little downtime. Uh, during the Super Bowl lead-up and follow-up. Uh, so next week, we are ready to do an entire five weeks, five days of shows for you. Looking forward to that. Uh, John, you got any plans for the weekend, football-related at all? Football-related? Uh, yeah, I'll be doing some draft research. Uh, you know, big elimination chamber uh, pay-per-view. That's you true. might be in yeah. on that. That's no. uh, Saturday, though. Pe- Saturday. Peacocking it, yes. Yeah, uh, a little peacock action there. But, uh, yeah, I got to get uh, – I'm like Chris, man. People don't realize if you're covering – I always say from a reporter standpoint, you can't get into college that much when you're covering the NFL. So you got to do it after the season. So that's what we all do. And that's why you see the – from a personnel perspective, that's why – you people always say, as Chris brought up, well, how does this guy move up the board? Well, you haven't watched all this film because you're doing the pro stuff. And it's the same way with those guys. But he brought up Bill Belichick. I thought that was interesting because that's legendary. Yeah. I, I don't think people realize how, how, how low these boards get whittled down. And Bill had it down to 65 players the one year. 65. That's... And, that's two rounds. They do yeah. seven. How the hell if the 64 yeah. guys have taken ahead of you, do you uh, start picking players? Because that's a, the only players he had interest in. And if he couldn't get one, then you you trade out, you trade down, you move, you do something else. You, you, these 500-player boards, that's not, not how it works. Yeah, 500 is a bit much. 65 is a bit light, if you ask me. Uh, yeah, Saturday, I'm going to check out the uh, HBCU All-Star Game. First ever historically black college and university All-Star Game. I guarantee a couple of guys playing in the game are going to be drafted come draft day. So for you football fanatics out there, there is at least a game, an All-Star Game, but a game to be watched this weekend. So feel free to check it out. We'll throw that into the mix somehow on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday all next week. Partner, looking forward to doing a full week with you next week. 
Yeah, got to get those reps in. That's why I'm glad I had the early week. Got to build up. Got to build the tolerance. It's like spring training. Got to stretch out the arm. Got to get a whole weekend. You're used to it. You've been going the whole time. Arm will be ready. We'll be ready to rock and roll next week. See you then on Birds 365. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. Save big money now on new siding from LP Smart Side at Menards. Update and beautify your home with your choice of 13 timeless colors of pre-finished engineered siding. It's durable and includes a Sherwin-Williams factory finish paint warranty that means no painting for years to come. View our entire selection of siding from LP Smart Side today. And don't forget to check out our flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save big- 